Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host. I'm a retail transformation specialist. I work with retailers and brands to help drive transformation forwards. We recognize that change is hard and I'm here to help you accelerate progress and navigate disruption as a consultant and as an advisor. So if you recognize that your transformation initiatives are important for your company and you'd like some support, to maximize their chance of success and their impact, then do reach out. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm Oliver Banks. Or find my details on the show notes page, which I'll share in a few minutes time. But first, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in. This one is episode 264, number 264. And in today's episode, we're continuing our celebrations because the podcast has now been running for over five years. And today we're taking a look back over the past 12 months and pulling out some of the golden nuggets, the key takeaways from those episodes. Now, in the last episode, 263, we took a look at retail-inspired key takeaways and golden nuggets. So if you've not already checked that one out, then I do encourage you to go and take a listen. And in today's episode, we're thinking more about the how of transformation, the process or the journey of transformation. And we're going to be diving into clips from a number of different episodes. And hopefully these will act as useful reminders or perhaps an intriguing trailer. And if you'd like to catch the full episode, or if you can't quite remember all of the episodes that we go through, then the single one place that you must head over to today is the show notes page at obandco.uk slash 264. Now, if you head on over there, you'll find all of the different episodes that we're going to cover through today and some key quotes from them. You'll also find my contact details if I can help you drive effective change and transformation in your organization. And you'll also find the chance to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, my weekly email newsletter that helps to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail. So head on over to the show notes at obandco.uk slash 264. Now, without further ado, let's start chomping through these golden nuggets. And we're going to kick off with a fantastic episode featuring EY's Trevelyan Collier. And here we're talking about how you can rethink your organization and your organizational change to be more agile. You may be familiar with the concept of turning the tanker. And I'm talking to Trevelyan about this analogy or this metaphor, asking him if it still holds water, so to speak, to continue this naval theme that we get into. <laughs> Enjoy the clip from episode 235 called Profit Warnings and Turning the Tanker. 
and arguably now a more experimental or more agile approach suggests that tanker isn't quite fit for purpose anymore. Is, is that still true? Are we still talking about turning the tanker? I hope not. I mean, to extend your metaphor, we, we talk now about um, it being more like a flotilla of ships that uh, <laughs> you know, you're trying to navigate all in, 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 in one direction. And I think you know, that's a much more helpful metaphor because it does allow some parts of the organisation to be out front, you know, in their speedboats while you've got some other bits sort of you know, coming along behind, but also allows you know, little bits of tack left, tack right for different parts of the organisation to try things out and learn. And, you know, and therefore, it's just about how you keep enough of that together as, as you move forward. Increasing agility has been a huge topic for retailers over the past few years. And with increased agility comes the opportunity to drive more disruption into the retail market. And in episode 229, called To Disrupt or Not to Disrupt, I took a look at this fundamental type of change and transformation. And this is in fact one of the six different types of transformation that you may embark on. And if you'd like to find out more, then you're going to have to look out for my upcoming book, Driving Retail Transformation, which is available for pre-order now at all good bookstores and will be out in early March 2024. But in the meantime, dive into disruption. And this one, once again, is from episode 229. As you come to the point of execution, recognize that a disruptive transformation is not going to be instant. You're going to need time to ramp up, especially if you're trying to open up a new market or build awareness and respect within a new customer segment. Many of the classic disruptions, whether it be your Netflix or your Ubers or even your Amazons for that matter, are often seen as an overnight success story. However, that's only true if you discount the thousands of days and years of building up to that single overnight story, right? <laughs> Success takes time to build up. And I think actually, as a larger company, like a Tesco with a booker, it's easier to apply a disruptive transformation if the organization is in the right place and if it is being driven in the right way. It's certainly going to be easier because you've got lots of resources, you've got capabilities existing in place already. Amazon are another great example as to how they can quickly drive that disruption. And then after the disruption has landed, follows a period of continuous improvement. And that's the same for any fundamental transformation. Incremental transformation should absolutely follow. And with huge disruptive change, there's often a need to shift the business model. And that's what I was exploring in episode 256 called Creating a New Business Model. Pushed the boat out in terms of creativity for that episode there, didn't I? <laughs> but part of creating a new business model is also around designing a new operating model that integrates this new business model, this new disruptive transformation into the core business. So take a listen to this clip from episode 256. 
it's now important to start thinking about the operating model. And again, there is no one size fits all here. You are gonna to need to create a bespoke operating model that fits the business opportunity that you found, that fits the existing business that you already have, and is aligned to the overall aspirations and appetite that the business has for fundamental transformation. So you're gonna to need to consider the existing operating model and the critical aspects of the new operating model. How do these critical aspects fit in to the existing operating model? That could be around new processes, new policies, new procedures, and you may need to think about where the new business model consumes the capability or the capacity from the existing business and consider where the synergies are, where you can either share exactly the same or very similar aspects of the overall operating model. And again, this is bespoke, but it could be around finance or people or IT, lots of different areas here. And with this new business model, there are going to be new interfaces. Perhaps that's with a new customer or a new supplier or a new partner. How are you going to serve those other new parties? So start to map out the building blocks for the operating model, where you're integrating with the core business, where resources are going to be shared. And then you can start to think about how this operating model impacts the organizational hierarchy and setup in terms of ownership, in terms of responsibilities, in terms of efficiencies. The journey of transformation for an organization and an individual or group of individuals can be hugely challenging. It can highlight some really enormous, important questions. And if we get the answer to those questions and challenges incorrect, or should I say, not ideal, then it can form future regrets. And this was a topic I dived into in episode 236, number 236. And this episode was called Today's Decisions Create Our Future Regrets. Take a listen. And one of the really interesting challenges that presented itself to me as I was planning out this episode is around balancing and finding the right point of selfishness versus selflessness. Now we want to reach an objective, let's say selling as much as possible, right? And therefore we want to do as much as we can to achieve that goal, arguably driven by an element of greed, but that's a whole different point. But just like Mary Portis was saying at the Retail Technology Show, we are striving to achieve an objective, whatever that objective is. And as you look across the wider market and the trends, every company, everyone seems to be following this exact same path and ultimately extracting benefits. You know, let's take that AI example. Everyone else is looking at AI and doing amazing things with it. Why shouldn't you? Makes sense. Shouldn't you crack on, take the short-term benefit, and then if it blows up in our face later on, never mind, it's not my problem then. Or actually, should you look to the future, consider how this could impact the company, the individual, or the whole wide world? And should you hold fire and pay the short-term penalty of, in this example, not going after AI, it's an interesting one. And if you're thinking about, let's say, the macro shifts for AI or any of the others, and plenty more as well, by the way, I'm not picking on AI for the record, will your one decision to say, we're not gonna do AI because we think the world will explode in the future, 
Will your one decision actually change anything? Making a successful journey of transformation is hugely reliant on the broader culture, which almost forms the whole foundation for successful transformation. So I was delighted to catch up with fellow retail transformation expert, Brandon Rayal in episode 239. And we were talking about laying the foundations to transform. And in this clip, we're drawing analogies and lessons from startups and how they can be applied into bigger companies. You, you see in the startup community where they have to be bold, they have to be creative, they have to have a customer-centric, product-centric way. That's their whole existence is the customer. So startups and direct-to-consumer brands do, have done this quite well, mm. quite effectively. There is a fear or apprehension of failure because of the consequences, whether they're it, whether they're actually articulated or not is a whole in the question, but it all begins with what is the culture that the leadership is defining, what is the, the mantra, and what is the mission, knowing that majority of innovations will not always be successful. Some will, but along the path, even for successful transformations, there's failure along the way, mm -hmm. which is where that the agile philosophy that you may fail, but ultimately you will get incremental value throughout. So it, it all begins with uh, providing a safe place, meaning you have ownership and accountability. This is your, yours, and you truly are aligned with the leadership team, and they provide you the tools, the capabilities, uh, the frameworks, and, and the, the accountability to drive things forward in a way that you feel like you, you can move forward without unintended consequences. Mm. So it's those legacy retailers and, and that, the, the legacy culture, as well as all of the legacy processes and systems and elements like that as well. Exactly, exactly. I think uh, the fear of failure is also, it really inhibits your courage to do bold and, and innovative things as a retailer. Now let's take a bit of a pivot here and head on over to episode 217, number 217. And in this episode, I was exploring a topic of conversation that we very rarely talk about, but has enormous impact to the process or the journey of transformation. And in particular, it has enormous impact at the deployment stage when we need that change to embed. And we need to bring the organization and the culture along with us on the journey. And this episode is called Stop Gossip, Killing Your Transformation. And I'm exploring around some of the origins of different rumors and how this gossip can start. Take a listen. Another factor that leads to rumours is what I would call stirring the pot, right? Some people like to be seen as influential. They like to be seen as in the know. Knowledge gives power, right? And at the same time, you have people sharing their past experiences and making the same assumptions, you know, oh, when I was at this company, this happened, right? And between these two aspects, by becoming the source of information, you earn respect, right? People listen to you. You have organizational power. So there is this natural aspect of community, really. It's nothing to do with change here. Community aspect of stirring the pot. And then you couple all of this together with the fact that people are going through this emotional cycle of change. 
Now, I would suggest there is one particular angle when it comes to transformation that creates loads of gossip and rumor, and that is around cost saving. Cost saving initiatives induce many types of fear and anxiety and worry and stress. And as a result, cost cutting can get a bit of a bad rep, particularly on channels such as social media. And in this clip from episode 243 called Thrifty Transformation to Thrive, I'm exploring one of those common phrases that perhaps you have come up against. Check it out. You may have heard the phrase, you can't cost cut your way to growth. And that is absolutely true. But I do have three arguments against it. Firstly, whilst you can't cut your way to growth, you can free up valuable resources and cash to reinvest and ultimately drive growth. So it can enable growth, albeit part of a two-step process. Secondly, whilst you might not be able to grow the top line through cost cutting, you can absolutely grow the bottom line. Operational cost cutting has a significant benefit to the bottom line. Very often, straight through, depending on where you take your profit numbers from, if you save a million pounds off your operating costs, you've got a million pounds extra in your profit pot at the end of the year. And then finally, cost cutting can also lead to simplification, which can help focus the business and your customer's attention. It cuts out confusion, cuts out duplication, and you could certainly make a case for growth, although it's unlikely to be your core aim for simplifying the business. But like I say, cost cutting absolutely can be used for reinvestment and positive change, as well as adding a healthy boost to the profitability. There is one particular methodology that often seems to go hand in hand with cost saving, that of Lean Six Sigma. Incorrectly, in my view, I believe that Lean Six Sigma, as a mindset and as a toolkit, can provide some major value to retail. And I think we've started to forget it, unfortunately. So in episode 242, I discussed reinvigorating Lean Six Sigma in retail and why I think you need to take another fresh look at this approach, thinking far broader than just cost saving. Here's the clip from episode 242. I see a big resurgence in Lean Six Sigma. You know, we touched on data earlier and all retailers now have got an abundance of data, it seems, but it's making effective use of what you do have. It's so critical, so important. You know, being able to statistically interrogate that data to find out what it's really telling you and make the best use of that, as I say, vital. Now think about different omni-channel operating models, the importance of inventory and stock management, process flows, being able to rapidly get a product ready for fulfillment. There are loads of complex ways of working. And actually Lean Six Sigma can be applied to that complexity to A, simplify it, and B, error-proof it as well. You know, sustainability is hugely important. And so reducing literal waste, big tick, right? But also think about the circular economy. The circular economy will only work 
if all of the different process steps and stock flows are easy and simple. Otherwise, it just won't happen, right? Lean Six Sigma can help with that. Think about wanting to enhance customer experience at scale, creating a positive, fair, and consistent level of service across all of your different channels at all of your different times of day or days of week, etc. And then we get to AI. Big buzzword, big topic. But cast your mind back a little bit to when digitalization of processes was a big thing. You know, if you, back in those times, digitalize a rubbish process, you still have a rubbish process, albeit in a structured digital form, right? And now as we advance into automation and AI, if you have a rubbish process with rubbish data, you're still going to have a rubbish process with rubbish data being controlled by an artificial intelligence, right? Making sure that your business is smooth and effective and doing what it should do, doing what's right for the customer is just as important now as it ever has been. So let me ask you this. If focusing on your customer is important for you, and if you're looking to optimize, streamline, or simplify your business and your operating model, or equally, if you're looking to disrupt the status quo and want to build in effective and efficient ways of working from day one, then maybe it's time that you invigorate and revisit Lean Six Sigma. So if you are looking to transform your organization and you're intrigued to explore how Lean Six Sigma could help you do this, then reach out and let's have a discussion. You can find me on LinkedIn. Once again, I'm Oliver Banks. Or head on over to the show notes at www.obandco.uk slash 264 and send me a message there. Or if you want to get straight to business, then why not book a call? And let's start talking about how you can reinvigorate your organization powered by Lean Six Sigma. Or perhaps you're looking to drive an alternative transformation. Either way, get in touch. Now, one of the areas of Lean Six Sigma that I absolutely love is exploring value. And this reminded me of the conversation that I enjoyed with Rosie Bailey, co-founder of the negotiating chatbot Nibble. And in episode 222, Rosie was sharing tips on mastering everyday negotiation. Enjoy the clip. Arguably the most important thing we do is what we call mm. reasons. And it's to do with not haggling over prices, to do with talking about brand mm. values. And so this is the time we've done it most effectively. Things like we were on a coffee brand, a premium fair trade coffee brand, and we said we can't go to that price because when you're fair trade, you pay your farmers a living wage. Surely you don't expect us to offer you that discount. Yep. And in that situation, no one's shopping on fair trade coffee unless they care a little bit about fair trade. And actually, when you put it in that circumstance, an extra couple of quid to make sure that the coffee farmers have a fair life feels about yeah. right, doesn't it? And that's not haggling. That's, that's reiterating brand values. And, and you can talk a lot about the product, you know, because somebody's already on the product detail page. They've already looked at it. They've already really considered buying it. Otherwise, they wouldn't mm. be talking to us. So you just reiterate, well, this product is made with premium organic cotton. 
Let me tell you, it's tough to choose a golden nugget from that episode. Rosie shared loads of fantastic ideas when it comes to negotiation. And of course, a huge part of negotiation is to stop and pause and think. Think about that value. Think about the BATNA, as you'll explore in that episode. And that also reminded me of my great conversation with Simon Costigan in episode 213, number 213, right at the very start of this year's episodes. And we were talking about some of Simon's top tips to help drive change in your organization. So this one is episode from 213, Effective Change is All About People. Here we go. One of my favourite is giving yourself the permission to think. Oh, I think that's. Snap. I think that's. <laughs> I just think that. I think that's. I think that's huge. You know, we live in such a a busy world now that really giving ourselves the time to think is so important. And I've got to the point now where I diarise thinking time because we think about well, we don't think enough. That that's the whole point. Yeah. So we go straight into doing, we go straight into, okay, let's, let's deliver this new system without actually thinking, okay, what, what, what do we want it to look like? What do we want it to feel like? How do we want our people to interact with it when we get there? You know, you can also drive out a huge amount of understanding in terms of what the risks we could face, what, you know, what if, what are the what ifs even? So, you know, as an example, we get to go live day and that ultimately we press the button and the system doesn't work. What if? You know, so for me, thinking is, is, is huge. And in terms of change, my counsel would be go slow in the beginning in order to go faster at the end because change is just so incredibly complex. Now let's shake this up a little bit. One of the areas that can cause lots of headache in any transformational change is that of the trial. Because if you get the trial wrong, it can force you down one of two paths, a wrong decision or a delay. Neither is great. And that's why it's important to get clarity and certainty from your trials. So check out this clip from episode 220 entitled, Your Transformation is on Trial. Whenever you are talking about trials, make sure that you are explaining what you mean and that there is a clear, coherent and aligned understanding with your stakeholders and with your team. According to Collins Dictionary, a trial is a formal meeting in a law court at which a judge and jury listen to evidence and decide whether a person is guilty of a crime. Specifically around a criminal case, we are looking for a decision about did this individual do this thing, yes or no? Now, interestingly, a criminal case trial is looking at the past. However, when we run a business change trial, we are looking at gathering evidence to paint a picture of what the future would be like. So it's a different perspective for sure. And in a criminal trial, the prosecution must prove the case against the defendant beyond reasonable doubt. Beyond reasonable doubt. 
And so from episode 220 there, we go to the very next episode, 221, where I continued this deep dive into the topic of trials. This episode is called How to Manage Successful Trials. And this particular clip is thinking about the execution stage and why you need to start much earlier to make a success of your trial. The next point of making your trial successful is during the trial, the actual execution of the trial. And actually, how do you make this successful? Maybe it's a bit of a cop-out, but you follow the plan, right? You understand the communications, you understand the metrics, you understand the scope, and you stay laser focused on that plan. That's how you're gonna get good, clear results. Now, it may be that there are particular challenges and hurdles that come up and you need to adjust that plan. That's great, feel free to, but make sure that it's documented. Make sure that people understand what is changing and why. And that can then be considered when you come to review the trial. As the trial continues, again, in line with your plan, think about how you are going to check in, think about how you're going to listen and respond to issues that are raised and whether you need to intervene in any way as well. All aspects that you've already considered as you've been preparing for the trial, of course. And then the final section that you need to consider to make your trial a success is, of course, after the trial, when you come to review the results. Often, if a trial is unprepared, this is the stage where you realise that the trial is inconclusive, that you realise there are issues. And like I say, those issues were created a long time ago, back in that pre-trial phase. Trials are all about learning and building confidence. Another aspect that is hugely important to build confidence is that of predictability and trustworthy predictions. And this was a topic I was exploring in episode 226 called Knowing What's Likely to Happen. Check it out. And I believe that predictability should really be a key aim and arguably even a key metric for a transformation leader. Ultimately, it is a test of what you say happens. Otherwise, are the forecasts and predictions that are being made, are they anything other than wild guesses, hopes, dreams? Will people trust you when you come out with your next round of predictions and forecasts? Should they trust you equally as well? So. If you want to be a transformation leader that is thinking about trust and thinking about what you are forecasting is going to happen, how likely is it that you are going to take action after listening to this episode? <laughs> I love in the likelihood puns as well, by the way, if you can't tell. <laughs> and being predictable is important and it helps to boost your overall chances to successfully transform. And if you're looking for lots of other tips to boost your chances to successfully transform, then check out episode 253 of the very same name. And here we're gonna be talking about opportunity cost and the dangers of plate spinning. Take a listen. And whether it is a small little delay because someone's been on holiday or 
we can't arrange a meeting, whatever that is, or whether you're getting weighed down by lots of these little challenges or whether you're facing off into the wrong direction and you're kind of meandering along the way as well, right? There will be an opportunity cost attached to that. And your business is paying that opportunity cost for every little delay, for every little problem. And when you start to assess what is that opportunity cost on a daily basis, you know, simply take your annual transformation benefits and divide by the number of days in a year. You know, what is that number? Because every day you slip, that's what it costs your business. And when you are spinning many, many plates, trying to evolve the business in lots of different ways with perhaps many different transformation initiatives running at one time, are you going to notice when one of those proverbial plates starts to wobble? Or is the first time that you're going to notice when that plate falls off and shatters on the floor? And when your attention is distracted by clearing up that mess of the broken plate, how many other plates are starting to wobble? And before long, you could be surrounded by shattering plates. So when transformation is business critical to evolve and stay relevant, when transformation faces off against so many different challenges, when it's so easy to take your eye off the ball because of distractions or because of multitasking, then what do you do? How do you protect your transformation? How do you keep that proverbial vehicle safe? and ensure that it's roadworthy and fit for purpose as well, by the way. I believe it's crucially important to be regularly checking up on your transformation, not just the what of transformation, but the how of transformation. And in that episode, episode 253, I was delighted to introduce you to my new transformation tune-up service. So if you want to maximize your chances of success and you'd like some support from those that know what to look out for, that know the common mistakes, the common pitfalls and the huge opportunities that will exist to help you drive effective change and transformation, then do reach out. You'll find my contact details on the show notes, which once again are obandco.uk slash 264. And send me a message and remember to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. Now, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but this is my weekly email newsletter with key headlines from around the world of retail with insights, ideas and inspiration to help you transform better. It's absolutely free to sign up for. So head on over to obandco.uk slash 264 and subscribe to the Retail Transformation Briefing. And then we're coming around to the final clip of the day, episode 232, called The Hidden Costs in Your Transformation. And here we're taking a look at one of the types of hidden cost that we may come up against. Check out the clip from episode 232. So on to our third hidden cost for today, and this is about the loss of productivity. Now this might seem to scratch your head a bit. Surely a transformation should consider productivity and hopefully boost productivity. But when faced with change, there can absolutely be temporary drop 
in colleague productivity across the business, whether it be whilst people are adapting to new systems or processes, whether it's about having to take on those additional training activities that may or may not be included in your deployment costs. Maybe it's about the confusion that's brought on, chatting to other colleagues about the change. Plus, there may be a morale dip as well, brought on either by the change communications or the change impact, or even, frankly, the gossip about the change and the transformation can really have a big impact on either an individual or a whole team of individuals. And that can reduce the morale and productivity, which may present itself as more chatting time, more time spent worrying, people mentally checking out of work, quiet quitting and all the rest. I'm sure you can guess the reasons why this hidden cost is often overlooked. It's very difficult to calculate. It's very difficult to estimate what could be a fair and reasonable assumption, especially as you get into the morale impact, right? Transformation, unfortunately, is never as simple as we imagine it. Often when we get into the thick of driving a genuine transformation, whether it's an incremental shift or a fundamental shift, there are so many different diversions and roadblocks and challenges along that journey. Transformation is hard for a huge number of different reasons, from a complexity point of view, from a culture point of view, from a psychology point of view, so many different factors. And that's why I'm super excited about the next 12 months, because I'm delighted and proud to be bringing you my book entitled Driving Retail Transformation, How to Navigate Disruption and Change. We all recognize that the retail industry is facing disruption on every side. And so Driving Retail Transformation, the book, is here to give you the strategies and the techniques that you need to lead your organization through the journey of transformation in this age of huge uncertainty. In the book, you would discover the how of transformation, and you'll know how to apply it through a flexible framework that can be applied to any type of retail change and at any stage of that journey. So I can't wait to share much more about the upcoming book, Driving Retail Transformation, over the coming weeks and months as we prepare for the publication on the 5th of March, 2024. And so if you'd like to come on the journey to explore more about how to drive retail transformation, and if you've not already done so, hit subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app. And why not tell a colleague about this show? These Golden Nugget wrap-up episodes, the last episode, 263, and this one are a great place for new listeners to start exploring. And you might also be interested to know that there are loads of other great Golden Nugget summary episodes to check out from previous years gone by. So listen, we've got an exciting time ahead. Peak is just around the corner. There's a ton of opportunity for next year. And I can't wait to be here with you driving retail transformation. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for listening. And I'll catch you in another episode of the Retail Transformation Show very, very soon. Bye for now. Thank you.